Hello, and welcome to the Future of Mobility, the KPMG podcast series for global mobility leaders, where we talk about the key trends and issues surrounding global mobility departments and their functions. For today's episode, I spoke to Louise Warby, Global Mobility Lead, Global Mobility Central Team, KPMG International. Louise, thanks for taking the time to join me on the phone today. No problem. Thanks for asking me. Louise, it seems the topic of choice for many businesses these days is is how will COVID-19 affect global mobility in the long term? So can I ask you to share some of your insights on the current situation? Like most organisations, I mean, we had the immediate issue of assignees moving, sometimes without much notice or visibility, uh, just due to the speed of border closures. And then we needed to check in with everyone, understand their circumstances, and actually what they wanted to do, because we were trying to follow a, a very assignee-led process. So now we're in the position where we're slowly restarting our program. But in the interim, we, we've had an opportunity to pause, reflect, think about the future. Um, it'll undoubtedly be different in a number of ways for us all. Um, and I certainly have learnt with Brexit, it's never too early to start scenario planning and think through the issues, even if you can't necessarily solve them all at the time. And Louise, what would you say successful global mobility functions should be able to do confidently to succeed in a post-COVID-19 world? I would say they need to be open-minded and they need to be flexible. The traditional models of global mobility were already under challenge. We'd had a growth in remote workers, commuters, dual-income families, and that was something global mobility was getting its arms around. So this, in my view, is it's just another thing, another dimension to be embraced seen as a a new change in how we support our people and how we support our organisations appropriately. And what can a company or global mobility function do to ensure they can pivot plans or change course when needed? For those who want to be quick off the starting blocks to remobilise its workforce or restart its assignment programme, it'll be really important to have a detailed skills audit of its workforce. That should help inform how to maximise their potential and actually deploy people physically or virtually, to the right places to accelerate their economic recovery, there is no point in just suddenly turning on the taps without thought. Having flexible policies in place, which many organisations either have or have been looking at, that should have significant levers to pull to secure the right candidate or internal move, and that will become even more important than before. Louise, how are you seeing businesses deal with virtual employees and new government restrictions or policies? What are some of the issues that are arising and how can businesses mitigate risk? From what I'm hearing, I think in many organisations, expectations are high, that having employees work almost in their location of choice could be the new norm and the way forward. It's been done in the last six months, right? So carry on. But once this type of thinking gets to HR and global mobility, hopefully, hopefully it can be clarified. No, it's not that simple. Short term, it may work, and there have been a relaxation of some of the rules in certain locations, but it's not the new norm unless the right due diligence is done, and it has to balance the risk with the reward. My team know that I have often said that any move can be achieved. It's just a question of whether the cost of mitigating the risks presented outweigh the original business decision or anticipated return on investment sufficiently to make it a viable proposition. Louise, for an organisation to move forward into the realm of multiple virtual assignments, what for you are some of the questions that will emerge and what will take time and analysis to resolve? I think fundamentally you first need to understand if the roles you have can even be done virtually. In some industries it can't. Then there can be other issues around things like data management. Um, I'm thinking particularly in service industries dealing with client data. 
do your clients consent to their data being used in whatever country your employees happen to be operating from? The main issues already under discussion as a risk are around corporate tax aspects and permanent establishment, and I can't stress that this is really important and could well be the determining factor. But global mobility teams need to look at all the issues this creates and not just the headlines. Even if a virtual assignment can be approved and the risk can be balanced, it does cause future fundamental issues around things like compensation. If the work can be done from anywhere, what pay scale do you use? Home? Host? As an organisation, you're going to value the work or you're going to value the location it's done from. Now, that could be argued as outside the remit of global mobility, but ticking a box at PE is, you know, it's fine. It's just the start of the issues around this topic that are going to need to be resolved. And Louise, what are some of the new trends you're hearing about from global mobility departments pre and potentially post COVID-19? Personally, I hold a view that you cannot underestimate the emotional impact that COVID has had. And I think we're going to see employees rethinking and reevaluating how far away they are working from their families. Um, that could potentially lead to a spike in things like permanent transfers when the job market starts to stabilise. I've spoken to some assignees who were previously commuting, working Monday to Friday in another country, coming home at weekends. And some of them are really struggling with the idea of resuming that work pattern, given the time they've spent with their family and getting a sense of the family experiences and time that they're missing out on. And that, coupled with the power of technology to enable working from home, is going to cause ripples throughout global mobility that we need to look into. So finally, Louise, to conclude our conversation, do you have any advice you can give our listeners who are looking at the future of global mobility functions in a post-COVID-19 world? Well, I guess as a measure of reassurance for those working in global mobility, my view is it will always be there. The benefits of immersing yourself full-time in another country and benefiting personally and professionally from that cultural change still has enormous potential. I think it's normal to expect that volumes are going to drop for long-term assignments, but that's not going to be forever. And in that interim, organisations are going to want to manage the economics even more tightly. So we have to be creative about how we meet talent needs. And Globe Mobility cannot position itself as a team that says no. It's got to be a team that develops flexible, agile solutions, presents them to the business for consideration. And it's a huge opportunity to step up. Thanks, Louise. And that sounds like a good place to wrap up. And thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. I know you've given our listeners a great deal to think about and consider. Thank you. Please let us know what you think of this episode. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please email us at tax at kpmg.com. And remember, you can find our latest publications, articles and other material that address the issues discussed in this ongoing podcast series at kpmg.com forward slash future of mobility. Thanks for listening.